Let's give the Lord one more hand this morning. He's worthy. You know, Abraham's just, thank you for that astonishing message, Pastor Brett. Abraham, remember, he's 98 years old by this time. A lot of times, the older people they get, the more they lose their sensitivity, not him. God had just met with him and gave him the date of when he's going to have the child. So in the natural, he's got what he wants from God. Still tender and sensitive. And then you come to the end of the story. And then God touches Sarah in that visit. She really hears God directly because it takes two to have a baby. You'd think Abraham would just be exalting in his word. But even after he's got every one of his promises, his word, he still won't leave God and he's walking on the way with him. It's just, and then God says, okay, we can't get rid of it. Let's tell him. I mean, it's just amazing. And it's, it's, just, it's just a profound story. Holy Spirit, help us. We thank you for your word. We, we thank you for the privilege of walking with you. Amen. I want to continue and, and help you um, develop your ability to hear from God this morning. And so we'll just continue on with what we are talking about. I've been begin using a phone to demonstrate how do we hear God. Whether this happens to be an iPhone, what kind of phone you have, you have to turn the power on. What does God's ring sound like when He's trying to get a hold of you? How does God communicate with you? Um, we talked a bit about having a good signal. It's all about proximity. The closer you get to God, the better you hear the people of God corporate worship. I cannot say enough. There, there is quite honestly no substitute for what you can get in corporate worship. You, you don't get it on a CD, even great ones. You don't get it on a podcast. You don't get it on your iTunes download because there's a dimensional aspect to God. God's presence comes into this room when we worship. It just does. Any of you ever have loved ones overseas and you Skype and you FaceTime with them and all? I've, I've, I've had kids scattered all over the world. And as wonderful as it is, you're not touching them. You, you see them, it's, it's, it's almost tormenting sometimes. And so what happens here with this heavenly communication is amazing. And then I begin to talk about destructive interference, like what happens when we can't hear the Lord. I talked about some of the things that can affect your ability to hear God. I talked about um, internal factors of stress or sickness. Um, I did not talk about your conscience. I'll mention that briefly. Your conscience is that part of you um, made to experience God's sorrow and God's pleasure. It's really your spiritual nervous system. And it's very clear in the Bible, you can injure your, con your conscience. You can defile it. Uh, you can corrupt it. You can sear it. That means you can sin in such a way that you affect your ability to experience God's conviction over something. So people tell me, man, I went to that movie. It never bothered me. I said, does that make it right? Paul said, my conscience does not trouble me, but that doesn't make me right. God's my judge. So the Bible's higher than your conscience. So problem with your conscience is, if I got a, you know, a few men up here and they put my hand in fire, it would burn to the point that I wouldn't feel the pain anymore, but 
I'd be burning nonetheless. And so you can, you can affect your conscience to the point that you're injuring yourself and don't know it anymore. How many of you know that when you're discipling a new believer, they hit a point where all of a sudden they're just stricken with condemnation? Raise your hand. All of a sudden they just feel terrible. You know what happens? Their conscience begins to heal and for the first time they feel what they've been doing to themselves for years. So you gotta guard your conscience. You've gotta keep your conscience tender. Well, then I talked a bit about um, destructive interference. I talked about how the enemy uh, presents himself many times in the form of a demonic wave or a demonic wall, what that's like. I talked about four marks of demonic resistance, intensity. It's never, I've never seen it this strong. I've never seen it this bad. My children have never been sick this long. It's never hurt. Density, never ends, thick, can't get through it. Immensity, a storm so big that Jesus is minimized and the power of this storm is maximized. And then propensity, you get in a demonic storm, it, it, it seems to strike every one of your propensities. Like your natural propensity toward fear or anxiety. Um, one of the most powerful examples, and I'll illustrate this for you, of a demonic storm, and there's three accounts of it in Scripture, is Mark 4, 35 through 41. Let's just look at this one second. This is one of the most profound passages of Scripture. And they've just been in a mini revival. They've come into Capernaum in the house of Peter, and Peter's mother-in-law is healed. Seems to be a demonic illness because Jesus rebukes the fever. And a healing revival, catch this, breaks out just breaks out. It says, every sick person was healed. I've never been in a meeting like that. Have you, Pastor Brett? Every sick person. Capernaum was being shaken. Now, to the disciples, Jewish, very family-oriented, they could not imagine seeing anything greater than that. No one on the earth had ever seen that. I mean, amazing. The crowds began to grow Around Capernaum, Jesus had to launch out in a boat to teach. And then Jesus does what only God will do. Now catch this. He stands up in the middle of the greatest little revival they've ever seen. And he says, and he was getting there, he says, get in the boat. He ordered them. We're going to the other side. Now this is counterintuitive. Why would God call you out of what seems like revival? Why would God call you out of what seems like the greatest thing that's ever happened to your family? or in your city, or in your community. And what was on the other side? The Decapolis, 10 cities who'd been Romanized under the great general Pompey 100 years before. It was the center of Roman pagan culture. It was the darkness that threatened them. They're in Capernaum, they were in Judea, they're under some Roman domination, but they know on the other side of that Galilee, that's the dark world. That's the pagan world. That's idolatry. That's pork eaters. And that wasn't enough. It was a world. Personally, I'm glad God told Peter, eat what was in the sheet. I like a little pork myself. I mean, I, I tell you, I love a rib. Thank God for the New Testament. Anyway, okay. I told Jim Critcher, I said, if, if I'm a vegetarian in heaven, I may open a restaurant on the new earth. Anyway, okay. Take that out of the tape, Pastor Brett. But anyway, now watch this. Now catch this. So on the other side 
was the epicenter of Roman pagan culture, but it was under terror. The Gadarene demoniac was there. He had a legion of demon spirits. The Roman army had tried to chain him. He was terrorizing the whole area. Said in one place, watch this, in one place, no one would even go that way anymore. This is prophetic for our time. God's blessed our home. God's blessed our churches. We have healing here. But I hear the Holy Spirit saying to the church in America, I'm marching you toward that darkness. There is a world under terror. There is a world bound, and you're on the way. Now, here's the scary thing I'm going to tell you right now. Jesus realized if we don't go to the darkness, the darkness is going to come to us. In fact, you're going to find they barely got on the Sea of Galilee, and that demon storm hit them. Darkness is hovering over our nation right now. The enemy is terrorizing people. It's modern manifestation. It just happens to be ISIS. Then it was Rome. Other times it was Assyria. And I hear Jesus whispering to the American church, you're going to the other side. It's not just about your home. It's not just about your little Christian community. It's not just about me healing you and fixing you. We're going to the other side. Now, they get in his boat. And, these, and in this boat are some of the most experienced fishermen around. They'd grown up on a boat. They start sailing across, and they're getting ready to face a massive demonic storm. You can read the passage later. It said a hurricane wind in the original language came out of nowhere. The Arabs to this day call those winds on the Sea of Galilee shark wind. They're so destructive. And this storm hit them. This is Peter, James, John. They're experienced sailors. They've grown up in storms. But it is a storm of such magnitude. It is a storm of such power. The boat was sinking, and they begin to scream, we're going to die. Now, these brave men, they've been in storms. But what, it's a storm so intense, it's beyond their experience. They've never seen the like of it. They've never felt the power of it. And it's dense. It won't go away. They keep thinking, when is it going to end? And it's so immense, they begin to lose sight of Jesus who's in the boat with them, and all they can see is the storm. And all their propensities toward fear and anxiety begin to come out. They go, where's Jesus? Where's God? They look back, and Jesus is right by the steering oar where he needs to be. He's sound asleep. He's sleeping on a job. Wake God up. Don't you care? We die. Don't you love us? Now, they'd forgotten what Jesus had just taught them in Mark 4. Now, remember, when the demonic storm comes, the Lord will seemingly hide himself from him with the test you. He had just told them earlier in Mark 4, this is what the kingdom of God is like. The seed of my word is so powerful that whether the farmer sleeps or whether he's awake, the word works. So Jesus is sleeping because his word going to work anyway. He's trying to teach them something. Now, catch this. They're in panic. They are in a category five demon storm. And I'll prove it to you. It's beyond anything known. It doesn't go away. It's affecting their view of God. You don't care about us. We're going to die. And if you think they had it bad, the Bible says there's a little flotilla of other boats with them. And Jesus was only in one boat. 
Jesus is always in the boat of disciples, I'm telling you now. Maybe not in the boat of the crowd, but he's in the boat of the disciple. I always thought to myself, I thought they had it bad. What about the other boats rocking around out there, Pastor Brett? Now watch this. They wake him up. This is so important. He stands up. He says, are you kidding me? You woke me up for this? You don't got any faith? Now, the boat's going down. They're bailing. He stands up. And Jesus realizes immediately by the discernment of the Spirit, this is a demonic storm. In fact, he addresses the storm in the language of Jewish exorcism, just like he casts out a demon. Jesus understands we're going to the heart of darkness and the demon spirits there have stirred up a storm to sink us. So he stands up. And very powerful. In fact, I'll, I'll just read you this one thing. I wouldn't plan to, but let me read this. I got to read this Mark thing. It's just too powerful. He stands up, the furious squall. He got up, rebuked the wind. That's the very word used when he rebukes demons. And he said to the waves, quiet. In other words, in the Greek, he muzzled the waves. Be still. What happened is, he stood up under the authority of power. He commanded the demon spirits, I rebuke you, stop. Wham, the storm is done. Catch this. When you get in a demonic storm, that's why it's so important that you discern the source and muzzle it. Man, he said, Pastor Jim, it's intense, it's immense, it's dance. Okay. Wake up. Why is God quiet? Where's God? What is God? His words they were. Now, catch this. We'll go right back to this outline. When that demonic storm comes, you have the authority to muzzle its source. Now, now catch this. They're stunned. And, they, and then they get afraid. They go, who is this? Now, watch this. Who is this? that even the winds and the waves obey him. Now, they're floating toward the Decapolis. They're floating toward the heart of darkness, but something's happened. The demon spirits that have guarded that place have been muzzled by Jesus. Something's broken. Hear me now. Something's broken. And as they float up, the number one terrorist in the world is there to meet them. You realize he's been chained. Roman centuries have arrested him. He's, and he's with Romans. They can't crown him. He's filled in one human with the strength of a whole Roman legion. What's your name? Legion. That means 5,000 demons. Rips chains. The world has no answer. He's terrorized them for years. We know from Matthew, people, people will avoid going that way. The disciples had heard about him. Everybody was afraid of him. Man, this was ISIS on steroids. But when you've just seen Jesus conquer a hurricane, one old terrorist is nothing. One old terrorist is nothing. He sees Jesus, he falls down, Jesus, son of God, have mercy, please, oh my golly. 
Let me tell you something. Jesus dealt with those demon spirits. That man ended up in his, dressed in his right mind. It's, now catch me. It scared the people of that region so badly. They said, get out of here. We don't want anything to do with you. They're frightened. Now watch this. The disciples sailed away feeling like failures, never knowing that that one man's testimony would change the whole region. That one terrorist coming to Christ was going to shake the whole region. Now watch. They sail back. Some months later, Jesus makes them go back, kind of tricks them. That's another story. The same wind comes, but this time it can't sink them. It could only delay them, second crossing. It's been too weakened by the first crossing. They come, and the whole region comes galloping out, Jesus, heal us. And they come to the Decapolis, and every sick person in 10 cities that touches Jesus is healed. Thus saith the Lord, what you have here, I'm going to bring out there. And I'm calling my church to the other side. And terrifying demonic storms have come against you. Many of you have known waves, terror, fear. Many say, is the church in America sinking? Are they going to sink under unjust laws? Where is God in America? Right at the stern, at rest, because my word is working. And I'm going to carry you through your storms as families. I'm going to carry my glorious church through this storm. For there's only one answer to terrorism in this world. No government can chain it. No government can stop it. Only my church. Only my gospel. Don't think to yourself that you're wrestling with flesh and blood. For there are demon powers that have stirred storms in this nation. But I'm going to be with you. And I'm going to bring you. And if you will walk, says the Lord, and follow me away from the comfort of what you thought was so good, you'll end up with what is so great. And that's where we find ourselves today. Terrible storms. How many of you have been in some pretty terrible storms? Just put your hand up. A lot of them, they're not of natural source, beloved. They're not of natural origin. You are being shaken. You are being hit by a demonic storm. I'm going to go a minute more in this outline because I want to help you to respond to a demonic storm practically. Then we're going to pray right now together as a people. And we're going, to, we're going to ask the Lord to rebuke the origin. Jesus can muzzle the demonic power. Now watch this. So you come in, back to my outline here, you come into this demonic storm, and you're beginning to discern, okay, this is not natural. When... I'm hit with a demonic storm. Here's how I respond. Watch me. Paul said, when I fight, remember that? I don't fight like one flailing the air. You ever watch someone fight on how to fight? They kind of just, they kind of windmill style. Okay, that's most Christians. They, you know, throw up a tongue, throw up a scripture, try to remember what their pastor said. Devil, I got you. If I just windmill my arms, maybe I'll hit you. You got to know. You've got to back off. You've got to back off, and you've got to worship in tongues. Now, 
we've done things here that Pastor Brett and I would, norm, would not do on a Sunday morning. Why? Like we've worshiped more, we've prayed in tongues. Why not on a Sunday morning? Because we have unbelievers, we have unlearned. Here, it's just a large, we're taking a little liberty. We're teaching you, we're among believers, you're here. So I back off and I begin to worship in tongues. Why do I worship in tongues? Because how many of you, when you're getting hit, don't understand what's happening, raise your hands. One of the powers of tongues is the Bible says, when you pray in tongues, your spirit prays, but it bypasses all the confusion of your mind. In Romans, it says, when the Holy Spirit teaches you how to pray, the Holy Spirit, I'm just trying to find that verse, it's so powerful, I'll read it to you. I'm skipping a lot of my, I'm skipping a lot of this. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, Romans 8, 26, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. That really is talking about words in your own language can't express. Watch me. So when I back off in this storm is pounding me, I back off, I begin praying down. Why? Because I'm in agony. I have no words for it. But all of a sudden I'm feeling relief. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is praying what needs to be prayed. And I'm better. But also the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, when I worship in tongues, when I pray in tongues, I'm praising well. I'm uttering mysteries with my spirit. I'm thanking God. So two things are happening. My burden and my pain is being released and God's presence is being drawn. Now watch this. So when that happens, when that happens, and I draw back and I've worshiped and I feel this demonic resistance, I've got two or three options. I can draw the sword of the spirit, which is the word. And a lot of times with me and Pastor Brett, Pastor Jim, Pastor Janelle, and it would tell you the same. Scriptures begin to come to your mind. You go, well, well, scriptures don't come to my mind, Pastor Jim. Well, it would help if you'd read some scripture. <laughs> the, the, the Lord don't promise to put a scripture in your mind. He promised to bring back to your mind what you remember. I'm sorry about that. I, I'm a, you got to read it to have a few. I, I wish that wasn't so, but he ain't going to drop a scripture in your mind you haven't read. Okay. That's why some of you, you got your favorite TV show coming to your mind when you're trying to fight the devil. My God, help me now. Now, so I draw that word, I draw that word, and I begin to speak that word. And because the Holy Spirit's inspired it, it cuts through the demonic. I speak that word. The devil tells me, you're no good. I said, there's therefore now no condemnation for those. So I fight with that word. Now, so I push back with that word. I'm praying in tongues. I'm pushing back with that word. Pushing. But if you're really coming against something powerful, and there are different types of demons, it's dense. Like I can feel, okay, it ain't moving. It's thick. A lot of times I'm going to drop back because I realize in the Bible, God himself doesn't have to fight the devil. The devil's a created being. It's a joke. God just dispatches angels. So I'll, well, somehow I'll just say, Jesus, I'm asking now for, your, for the help from your angels. Jesus demonstrated this when in the Garden of Gethsemane, when stupid Peter, half asleep, tried to cut someone's ear, tried to behead someone, only got their ear. Jesus, oh God, help me. Peter, do you really think if I needed a rescue, it'd be you my dad would choose? <laughs> While you idiots were sleeping when I told you to pray, an angel came down and strengthened me. You know what he told me? 
He said, by the way, boss, there's 12 legions of angels around here. And if you want to get out of here, we're here. So I'm okay, Peter. And I put that stupid sword back. Like, all I got to do, Peter, is ask my father and he'll send 12 legions of angels. Now, as God, Jesus could have commanded angels, but he was demonstrating what it was to be human, which is we don't command angels, but we can ask our father to dispatch them. So when that warfare hits, when that warfare comes against you, when that demonic storm comes against you because you're crossing over into destiny, you're crossing over into the darkness of our culture. And hear me this. If you don't go into the darkness, the darkness comes into you. It's dark in America because the church stayed home. You know what really stunned me? I never saw this till yesterday in worship. They got in the boat and they didn't have to get, wait, get to the Decapolis to get the demonic spirit. They're halfway across. That, they hit that demonic barrier. And Jesus realized, if we don't go there, they're going to come here. And in 70 AD, they burned that thing to the ground. Jesus, if we don't advance this light into that darkness, yeah. this darkness is going to come to us yeah. and sweep us away. One more thing, then we'll pray for you. So when you're fighting this demonic storm and you've got that word and you're worshiping and praying in tongues, maybe you've asked the Lord to lose things. Remember, don't do this alone. Now catch this, so important. You know, Jesus, there's two great intense periods of warfare. One was 40 days, one was 24 hours. How many of you know there are hours that can seem like whole days when you're under warfare? And the one thing Jesus did differently in Gethsemane than in the desert he says, I ain't doing this alone again. So he's walking into Gethsemane. He looks at Peter, James, and John. He said, by the way, I, I'm so tired. I'm hurting so bad. I think I'm going to die. That had to scare him to death. Pray with me. Catch this. Got his three covenant brothers. They didn't do a real good job. They fell asleep. Got his three covenant brothers. Watch, it's so important. He brings them into Gethsemane. But then he brings them, but he leaves them. He says, come with me, but wait here. Luke's real specific. It says, he goes a stone's throw away. What's that? Depends how big the rock is and how strong your arm is. <laughs> what is Jesus trying to demonstrate here? He's trying to demonstrate what it takes to win spiritual warfare. You've got to have your covenant brothers and sisters standing with you, but you've also got to have this time with God. It's called a stone's throw. Close enough to your brothers and sisters so they know what you're going through, yet far enough to have a little intimacy with God. Stone's throw. Now, I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to pray for you right now. Pastor Brent and Pastor Jim, come up here with me. We're going to pray. And like I say, this isn't Sunday morning. We're going, to, we're going to just worship in our prayer language a moment. Then we're going to pray now, and we're going to rebuke this demonic storm that's been against you. We're going to rebuke this demonic storm. Let's just worship in tongues.
Lore arabando re re de bonto te turando reto. Lere ababando to re rababo tundere tendoreto. Landa rababa bondo re le nando to re to rebo. Liri ababa rama baba bondo re banda da pampeto. All right, praise the Lord. Let's say this together. Lord Jesus, in your authority, we speak to the demonic storm. We muzzle you. We silence you. In the name of Jesus, we rebuke you. Lord, we ask that you would release your angelic host. These angelic hosts to drive back the demonic. We walk in your authority. Lord, shatter the storm. Root out the source. Muzzle every demonic voice. Hallelujah. 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 Father, we thank you for the victory that you've given us over the demonic. We live in that. And it's our goal now not just to say, go darkness, but come light. given you until I come back. Manage well. That the darkness flees. Now, Lord, let us set up your house. Let us be busy about making sure that we increase what you've given us to bring order where there is disorder. Help us to occupy well. Help us to be ministers of this gospel. To not leave a void because the enemy will come back when there is a void. To preach this gospel to the unbelieving. And to see signs and wonders follow. To not just use a regiment or a, a recipe, but to make sure that we are saying, Holy Spirit, empower our witness. We don't just want to come with word only, but in demonstration of the Spirit's power. I pray that you would uniquely bestow upon every, every person here, Father. A fresh anointing of your gifts. A fresh dispensing of what it means to have power and confidence to lay hands on someone who is ailing and see them recover. An authority to cast out devils in people's lives 
that is not dependent upon decibels. Not upon a voice that sounds powerful, but simply the authority that comes from their relationship with God. Lord, they can go into ugly environments, to wicked places, and not be affected by the wickedness. They will be able to drink deadly poison and it won't hurt them. And they can hang out with the most dangerous and find themselves treading upon serpents and scorpions. Help us to fill what we have emptied well in Jesus' name. Scripture says that the truth, the truth will set you free. That means then that anything that is not the truth will do the very opposite thing. It will put you in bondage. And every one of us have some favorite lie. Now that should be a, a contradiction of terms. But every one of us have some favorite lie that we need to consciously, actively fall out of agreement with. Listen to me. Sometimes we're too slow to call a lie what it is. We let it get down into our thoughts. We let it seep down into our emotions. We let it get sticky in our life. Are you with me? And then we wonder why we have to go find a pastor to help get that thing extracted from us. Let me tell you, we need to become Teflon to lies around our life. That when they try to come, we apply the word of God to it. When those lies try to come to our life, there's nothing for it to stick to. It just slides right off. And we need to fall out of agreement right now with every lie. And this is what I want you to do. Whatever it is right now. And we all have a top ten, but I want you to just take the first one in the list. That says what you will never be, what you will never have. Everything that is in opposition to that which Scripture has declared about your life. Right now, I want you to just bring it into your remembrance. Right now. Doesn't take long. Now, I want you to actively pray right now and fall out of agreement with it. Say no. Say no. Say no. Say no again. Now just begin to worship God and get mad about it. Just release it. No more. No longer. Now work the list. Every lie that's in opposition to this word. Opposition to the work of the cross. Every lie that's in opposition to that which Christ came for on your behalf. Fall out of agreement with it right now. No more. No more. No more. No more. 
Now here's how you stay free. It's the same way that when you get rid of a demon, it doesn't leave a demilitarized zone. You've got to put something back where something came from. And this is why you need to find a corresponding promise. Listen to me. You find a corresponding promise from that word and you plug it into that void where that lie was. And everywhere there was a void, now there's a promise. Are you with me? Praise God one more time for this morning. Come on.